everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And today we are talking about book-to-screen adaptations. And I actually cannot believe that we have never talked about this in the history of the podcast. That is shocking to me as well, but never a better time with the Daisy Jones of it all. Never a better time. And still, five years into the podcast, finding new tops. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, tell me your high. Uh, My high has been, I've been in this habit of just like browsing Etsy whenever I get bored, just shopping through little like Etsy thrift stores and vintage stores for old frames. And then I order like a dozen of them. A while back before we moved, I had ordered a bunch of prints of photos I've just always loved, but never gotten around to printing out. So now when the frames arrive, I like just spend like 20 minutes picking out a photo, putting it in the frame. Right now I'm like picking out photos for Jake's office because I've taken it upon myself to like design it. I think it's more something that excites me than him. But anyway, so it's been mostly frames for that recently, but it's just, it brings me a little burst of happiness every single time I do it. So highly recommend. Oh, that's so fun. I feel like with the house, you've been doing so much more renovating or the non-fun stuff than the decorating. So that's a fun little pick me up. Yeah. And it's easy. You know, I don't have to figure out electrical equipment or plumbing. So it's an easy win for me. What is your high? I feel like spring is springing and I just feel really optimistic. I hope I'm not jinxing it and that it doesn't get cold again. But I, I feel like I have whatever the opposite of seasonal depression is, like seasonal happiness. Like it's, it's getting warmer here. It's light out later. I feel like I have more social plans. People are coming out of hibernation. Um, I don't know. I just feel really happy. Yeah. I feel like if you don't live somewhere with seasons, this is the feeling that you miss out on that like new season. It's finally warm, specific brand of excitement. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Nothing. What's your low? I don't really think I have one. I was telling you before we started recording that I'm in this weird murky middle place of working on my book. And I I feel like I could complain about it every week if if given the platform. So there's nothing specific about it. I just, I'm in the weird part where I'm like, is this something? Is this just crap? So that's me. It's a tough place to be for sure. I think it's part of the process. It is. Much like spring arriving, you too will get to a place where you feel good about the book again. I hope so. I feel like I'm in my book winter. Mm. Yeah. What about you? What's your low? My low is that I have ordered three things in the past two weeks, maybe four, that I that don't fit the spaces they're supposed to go in. And like I'm just realizing that perhaps oh, no. I can't measure or or I don't want to measure. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm too lazy, but it's a problem. And you'd think I'd learn my lesson like after the second time, but not yet. I have very bad spatial relations, so I relate to this. And what I ended up doing with a lot of things in my apartment was actually taping it out on the floor so that I could see what it would look like in the space. Because even with a measuring tape, like I, I just couldn't conceive of it. Yeah, that's me. That is exactly me. I just like think I look at something and it will fit. Never, never the way that it goes. Too big or too small? It's It goes both ways sometimes. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. But what can you do? I mean, you could measure, but... <laughs> yeah, you, you could do a better job. <laughs> well, that's some homework for me. <laughs> all right, let's take an ad break before we get into all of this book and movie and TV talk. So most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of pros and their truly custom made-to-order hair care for a while now at this point. But honestly speaking, switching to a custom routine from pros has been one of the best things I've done for my hair. And the process was so much easier than all the other things I used to spend money on to take care of my hair, like going to a salon or spending hours just blindly wandering the hair care aisle, deciding what to buy. Plus, the results just keep getting better. I've been using pros for three years now, and my hair has never looked better. And it's not natural. It is the pros. I've said it before, but I don't think of myself as someone with quote unquote good hair. My hair is really fine. It gets greasy after a day. 
And so I told pros that I wanted to have thicker and healthier hair and go longer between washes. And seriously, I have never tried another product that has made a bigger difference in my hair. And unlike other products where your hair seems to get used to the products after a little while and they stop working as well, I have not had that happen. And what's cool about pros is that they know there's more to your hair than just your individual hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is exactly how I got started with the products. I loved how the quiz took into account things like how often I style my hair, what kind of damage my hair has, and even where I live. Pros also makes it easy to log back in and use its review and refine tools so you're making sure your hair care evolves with you and your life. The best part about pros though, in my opinion, is that if you're not 100% positive that pros is the best hair care you've had after you try it, they will take the products back. No questions asked. Custom made to order hair care from pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. So I think we should kick off this discussion with the age-old question, which is, sure. is a movie or a TV show ever better than the original book it's based on? Like, you know, the old saying that the book is always better. The movie's never as good. What do you think? I think if you asked me five years ago, I would have said that that's true, that the adaptation is never better than the book. But I think we have we have entered a golden age of adaptations. And I can think of two off the top of my head that I think are better than the book they are based off of. Yeah, I was surprised with the voicemails how many people said there were so many movies that they preferred to the book version. So I think you're right. Yeah, the two that I was thinking of are first, The Summer I Turned Pretty. I read the first book in that series, and it's middle grade, so it is not for me as an adult. However, the TV show, I wanted to make that my entire personality, go break up a family, date some brothers. Like, it felt really aligned to my taste, even though the book didn't. Yeah, I never read the book, but I this show is also on paper, not something I would like at all. And I really loved it. It was like the perfect cozy fall winter show. This was a cozy summer show. That's how it mm-hmm. felt to me. And then the Phoebe Bridger song at the end still emotionally devastates me to this day, even just thinking about the scene. Oh, the soundtrack. The soundtrack was incredible. It makes a big difference. And then the other one that I think was better than the book it's based off of, and I loved the book, is Normal People. I actually think that the TV show was better. And I think we have a voicemail that echoes your feelings about that. Yes, it's not just me. Hi, Beck and Olivia. I am calling to talk about my favorite book to movie or TV show adaptation. And my favorite has to be Normal People by Sally Rooney. I do think the TV show is better than the book. And it just came out, like, maybe it's because it came out in 2020 and, like, we all needed just some good news in that year. But it is so delightful. I feel like it was just, like, so perfectly cast. The chemistry between Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mescal is just, like, perfection. And I truly cannot think of a better book adaptation. Thanks. What about you? Can you think of any instances where the movie's better than the book? Or do you agree that the book is always better? I think I totally agree with you. I think it's becoming more common that the adaptation is as good as or better than. I have a lot of movies or TV shows that I've seen that are based on books that I really liked, but I haven't read the book. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. So Normal People is interesting, though, because I just like was kind of okay on the book. Like it, it didn't. I didn't love it. And on paper, that show is like everything that I should love in this world (laughs) for me as a person. But it was like almost too painful for me to watch. Oh, that's shocking that you didn't love it. It was so intimate. I was like... Yeah, it was really intimate. I think I... It was like too intense for me almost. Like I had to like turn it off, but I didn't dislike it. But I do think I liked it better than the book as well. Do you have any preference on book-to-movie versus book-to-TV adaptations? I just think we're getting the best TV ever right now. Like, I just, 
there's so much good TV that in my mind is like the best TV show in any given year. I will enjoy more than the best movie I saw, if that makes sense. I agree with that, but I have some rules in terms of what I think should be a TV show. I think that if a book is a series, it can be a TV show. But if it's a single book, it should generally be either a mini series or a movie. Okay, so what about normal people? Do you think that should have been a movie? No, that's I guess fine. It was a it's mini, a mini series. series. It's counts. a mini series. But when when you try to stretch out single books into full series, I generally don't like that. Do you know if Daisy Jones is getting a second season? I, I don't think so. Right? Okay. Or they would have to make up more plot that yeah. didn't exist in the book. That one was, I mean, we have a whole section here in the outline to talk about that, but that one was kind of interesting for me because it was almost like it felt like too much in a series. Like it it felt like it it needed multiple seasons to really squeeze all of the goodness out of it, which first of all, I didn't read the book. (laughs) Interesting. What about you? Do you prefer TV over movie when it comes to book adaptations or vice versa? Those are my rules. Okay. Like generally, if it's a series, I think a book series, I think TV works. And then otherwise, I generally prefer movie. And okay, I have another question, which is if you see something coming out and then you know it's a book and you're kind of interested in it, do you make yourself read the book before you watch? Or are you kind of like, "Eh, maybe I'll watch, maybe I won't, maybe I'll read, maybe I won't? No, I generally don't go back and read if I haven't already read something. But I think that also makes me less likely to check out the adaptation. Mm. You know, like I don't watch a lot of adaptations of things that I haven't read. Oh, okay. What about you? I I mean, I don't know if this answers the question, but like when it comes to Daisy Jones, like I'll never read the book now because I've read the Wikipedia summary and I've seen the show. So I feel like I have it covered. That's so interesting. Let's just talk about Daisy Jones. That's kind of where this episode came from. That we wanted an excuse to talk about Daisy Jones, but didn't know if it could be a whole episode or didn't know how that would age. I'm so curious to hear your thoughts because I really enjoyed the show. I want to talk all about the casting. I think it was really good. I thought that the first four episodes were a little bit of a slog. Mm -hmm. And I said to another friend, I was like, I can't picture anyone who didn't read the book loving the TV show. But that's you and you did. I did. I think the thing that makes it so interesting is that even if you haven't read the book, you can still have these like cultural touch points to tie it to. So like Fleetwood Mac or the Civil Wars, and it makes it all feel that much more interesting, I guess, like the book does. You kind of have that experience even if you haven't read the book. I thought the first four episodes were slow, but I I didn't hate them. I I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to turn this off. I thought it was kind of just like fun. Like, I feel like I watch a lot of dark shows and it just felt very light and fluffy to me, Mm. which was nice. Maybe it's a double-edged sword of having read the book. You know that the crux of the plot is this relationship between Daisy and Billy. So before they really get into this will-they-won't-they situation, I was like, okay, come on, fast forward. Let's get here already. So it all felt like backstory. Your point does make me realize I should probably mention that Probably around like episode three or four, I read the entire plot online. Okay. So like I knew what happened. Interesting. So maybe Weird choice. if I hadn't done that, I would have dropped off. I know I do that sometimes. With scary movies, I do it all the time. This wasn't hmm. scary, but I just needed to know. Interesting. Because I think it's also, that show is interesting because it's like, you know they're going to end up together, but not in the traditional sense. It seems like it can't be in the traditional sense because then he would have to like destroy his family and marriage and all of that. I don't know. But you ended up loving it, right? I did. By the end, like I had Amazon Prime up on my computer and was refreshing, waiting to see when the last two episodes would drop because I I couldn't figure out which day it was. Did you like it more than the book? Yeah, I did. I I liked the book, but I didn't love the book. We actually have a, a book club episode on it from when it came out. So I'm curious if my feelings are the same now as they were then or if they've like changed through rose-colored glasses or something from that time. I remember, I think this is how I felt. I remember being disappointed in it relative to The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. And liking it, but like not necessarily getting the hysteria over the book that was happening at the time it was released. I really like the time period. Like 70s rock and roll is a time period of historical fiction that I that I do enjoy. But yeah, I 
And I think the storytelling device of the kind of VH1 behind the music is really interesting, but it's not my favorite of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. But I think visually, like, it's such a visual feast. And obviously there was a lot of money in this adaptation, but they did such a phenomenal job. But one of the things I want to talk about is the casting, because I feel like this could have gone sideways so fast. Yeah. It's so interesting. I guess I didn't know what to expect regarding the talent of the people portraying the characters. And I really felt like they nailed it and that they didn't sacrifice on chemistry either because I felt like they had really good chemistry, but they were also really good fake performers. And they looked the way I wanted the characters to look. At least Sam Claflin and Claflin Claflin and uh, Riley Keough. I don't think, like, I think they're musical, but they're not trained musicians, if I understand correctly. Like, I know Sam had to learn to play guitar, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I saw some interviews with him. I think he knew he could sing. I saw a talk show interview with him about having tried out for Cats, the the musical movie, and not getting it. Oh, wow, man, he dodged a ball. <laughs> and so I think he was trying out for musical theater things. Like I think he knew he had a voice he could sing, but I don't think he was getting those types of parts, maybe because he wasn't very Broadway-y. Mm-hmm. I remembered like halfway through the series that Riley Keough is Elvis's granddaughter, by the way. Oh, you didn't know that going in? I knew that, but like it just wasn't, I hadn't thought about it in a long time. And then once it hit me, I was like, oh, but yeah, I think she is what makes all of it work. I agree. Everything else I'm like, "Mm, good. I think their chemistry too. I agree. I think they had incredible chemistry. I was actually kind of shocked because there was a great discussion about this in the Facebook group. And someone was saying they didn't have chemistry. And I was like, was I just like, did the music just move me? <laughs> and I was blinded? No, I thought they had great chemistry. And I also thought the music was so well done that they had actual songwriters write tracks for it. Like you, we were texting about this where you were like, I just keep walking around my house being like, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> and I was like, oh, baby, I'm baby, walking around baby. mine saying, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Yeah, Jake was doing it too. Actually, Jake really liked the show as well, which kind of surprised me. But the music's pretty good. It's kind of wild that they released it as an album. I and it's listenable. Did you hear that they might go on tour? I heard that they. It's in their contracts. That's so meta. I it almost breaks my brain how meta that is. The marketing around this show is wild. Between the album and then the Free People collection, like I have, I have never seen Genius. genius. I've never seen such a phenomenon but it makes sense because I really do think this is the type of show that has the ability to influence culture in terms of fashion music like just oh drug yeah use I, the I, I was of- like I wanted like I want to like do a bunch of lines and wear a caftan after this show was like my main takeaway okay between this show and Taylor Swift's one dress for her opening night of the arrows tour with the the bell sleeves yep. the lilac the amount of Word combinations I have Googled to try to find a version of this dress. Wide sleeves, big sleeves, bell sleeves, 70s dress, Daisy Jones dress. Like every combo you can imagine. And I have found nothing. But, you know, like let's just give the cycle like two more weeks. And I think I'm going to go on Target and it's going to be right there. (laughs) I love this for you upstate with your tractor that you're apparently getting because you're in the tractor pipeline. Did I say uh, I was getting a tractor? Is that just you saying that? No, you you said that it was a slippery slope, like the rural living to tractor pipeline. It is, before you know it. <laughs> so I'm just picturing you riding this tractor around your land in this diaphanous 70s glam that is cocktail a, caftan. That is a vibe. With like a martini in your hand. N- no better way to operate heavy machinery than a dress that can get caught in any number of like wheels and alcohol. And substances, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you one thing about the show that every time I saw it bothered the shit out of me? Yeah. Suki Waterhouse fake playing the key. <laughs> like in the back of oh. every scene, she was just like, <laughs> like I'm doing like a, it just, I'm assuming she can play piano because she's a musician, but it just, someone out there has to have noticed this other than me. It drove me absolutely insane. It didn't bother me. I was actually really impressed by her acting because I, 
I know her as a model and I was not expecting much. And I feel like Camilla's performance was like a little wooden. Do you think Leonardo DiCaprio watched this? No. I don't. Really? No. If they were still together, he would have, but I don't know. Suki Waterhouse is with Robert Pattinson, so I do think Robert Pattinson has watched it. Oh, yeah. I picture Robert Pattinson as the most supportive partner of all time. Interesting. I also thought, other than the keyboard playing, Suki Waterhouse had a better acting performance than Camilla, to be honest. Yeah. Do you know what messed me up about this show? Tell me. Other than the desire to do cocaine. (laughs) Sure, yeah, other than that. Um, Sam Claflin's face. If you start to go down the rabbit hole of his other roles, he is human Play-Doh. He looks so different in everything he's in. You're like, you're that person, but you're also that person, but you're also that person. Like, I do not know, like, having just watched this show, if you put Sam Claflin in front of me, if I could be like, that's him, if he didn't have the Billy Dunn hair. And the accent also, like, changes quite a bit. His American accent's incredible. I fell down a rabbit hole of looking at him in past roles, and I was like, I don't think this man has a face. (laughs) See... I, a little different. When I look at him, I just see Winnie because like the wispy hairs, the sort of hollowed cheekbones. For those that don't know, Winnie is my dog. Yeah, (laughs) this is not where I thought this was going. I have a TikTok about it. Anyway, (laughs) it has been confirmed by both strangers and people that know me that there is a resemblance. Interesting. And there's sort of like a wide-eyed kind of look. Anyway, this isn't what anyone expected to hear when they no. tuned into the podcast. But he is, this is weird after saying that he looks like my dog, but he is very attractive. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to take us out of this weird dead end street that could lead to no good. Oh, man. Um, baby, well, I don't baby, just, baby. Sorry. <laughs> I don't just want to talk about the Daisy Jones and the Six adaptation. I want to talk about what are your all-time favorite book-to-screen adaptations? This is an easy one for me because there is one book-to-screen adaptation that I think is the epitome of doing this correctly. Incredible casting, incredible script, also an incredible book, and that's Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. Have you seen this? I have seen this. I thought this was going to be Twilight. (laughs) I thought for sure that's where you were going. Just knowing your past Twilight obsession. I wouldn't say that's a good movie. <laughs> it is now, but it's because it's bad. It's like a hard okay. thing to sort of... I think Gone Girl is like a good commercial mm-hmm. movie. Well done. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All of that. Twilight is kind of just funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm glad we're calibrating the taste level here. And that yeah. Twilight is not the bar. Yeah, no, no. It is for other things, maybe, but not for this. I saw the movie. I read the book. I, don't kill me, did not find this movie memorable. I found the book super memorable because I think, like, the twists were so crazy, especially at that time. Yeah. However, watching the movie and already knowing what was going to happen, I guess I was, I don't know. I, I just, it was a little lackluster for me. Oh, Interesting. I vividly remember going to see it in theaters with someone who hadn't read the book and just (laughs) sitting there like watching them throughout the whole thing. Like, this is going to be great. Rosamund Pike is impeccable in Gone Girl. I just, I could talk about it all day, but. Well, you're not the only one. We have a voicemail who also said this is their favorite book to movie adaptation. Hi guys, this is Tara from Pittsburgh. My favorite book to movie adaptation has to be Jillian Flynn's Gone Girl. It is such a suspenseful book and movie with awesome actors, great plot, and I absolutely love it. It is a movie that I will watch just about any time I come across it on TV. I can't wait to hear other people's recommendations. Outside of the Gone Girl verse, what other book to screen adaptations do you think are Chef's Kiss? So a little bit of a genre change. I, I, of course, I read Little Women when I was younger, but I wasn't that interested in it when the Greta Gerwig movie version came out a couple years ago. And I eventually like gave in and watched it on a plane and I loved it. I loved it. I haven't seen this one. Oh, it's delightful. 
I, 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 Timothy Chalamet, I was like, God, I oh, get it now. I didn't get it. I mostly I, thought he looked like a peasant shoe. I don't know if you've seen that tweet. I think I've I, mentioned I this on the podcast. But <laughs> I find something about him very non-sexual and non-attractive. It wasn't even sexual because the movie is very, like, very PG. But he's charming. Just charming. The movie is charming as a whole. Enjoyed. I do love Greta Gerwig, though. Oh, I think you'd like it then. It's a very cozy, sort of wintry kind of thing. Okay. Okay, a third one is a situation where I actually saw the movie first, then read the book, which I don't do often. But it's Room by Emma Donahue. This was the movie that came out maybe five years ago or something. Brie Larson, I think, won an Academy Award. Loved the movie. It's very hard to watch, but thought it was incredible, well acted, all of that. And then I read the book afterwards and I was like even more impressed because it's written in such a different type of way. So highly recommend both. But trigger warnings for a whole bunch of stuff. It's about a woman that's held captive, if you don't know. I read the book, but I I didn't see the movie. Even knowing what happened, I felt like it would be too scary for me. It's it's not really scary. It's more like chilling, but also really sweet and kind of tender at parts. So anyway, let's move on to your favorites, shall we? I brought four. The first one, I feel like we cannot talk about really incredible book-to-screen adaptations without talking about Game of Thrones if we just ignore the last season. Did you read all of the Game of Thrones books? Of course I did. Oh, Not wow. of course I did. I did. Before? Yeah. I I oh. was in this really weird phase when I was living in San Francisco and I got laid off from my job and the company shut down. And I spent the summer job hunting and reading the Game of Thrones books while everyone else I knew had a job. Keeps you motivated. Yeah. I am a big, <laughs> angry. big Game of Thrones head. And I, I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah. And I thought this series was so good. And I also thought it was so interesting how it like created its own tracks. You know, it like it like went past the books. Yeah, I, I actually I've only read the first Game of Thrones book and it was a long time ago. So I didn't know how far past it went. And obviously, as you said, the last season seemed to go real far past everything. But the first book and the first season were was a very faithful adaptation. There was like almost no changes. But then as you got further and further, it changed more and more. And you liked it just as much? Yes. Okay. Even with the last season? No. Oh. But we had six good seasons before that. We did. We did. We had a lot of good prestige television before that dumpster fire that's that was that was like a nice time because it was just i don't think there's been something since that everyone is watching in that everyone yeah i still can't get my parents to watch game of thrones though interesting they're gonna do it one day and they're gonna be hooked (laughs) it's true they did watch the entirety of downton abbey so i think they have it in them um the second one i brought I cannot tell if this is something that is universally beloved or this is just so beloved by me because I loved this book so much, but I adored the adaptation of Where'd You Go Bernadette with Kate Blanchett. I loved this book too. I haven't read it or watched it, so oh, which the- one should I do? Which one should I do both? Should I do one before the other if I had to pick? Guide me. I don't oh, know. Oh, master. I guess, I guess at this point, I was going to say do the book, but I, I can see the piles of books behind you. And I feel like that's a higher commit. So maybe watch the movie. <laughs> okay. But the book and the movie both just have such a specific sense of voice to them. And I think the movie captured that so well. And I just love this piece of content in any form. Okay. High praise. Going slightly lower brow, I am still mad that there was no season three of Famous in Love which is an adaptation of the series by the same name by Rebecca Searle. I've never heard of this in any form. So before Rebecca Searle started writing like upmarket women's fiction, she wrote YA and I loved her YA books. And where is the TV of this? What station? When? It was a CW TV show. It was a CW TV show starring Bella Thorne. Oh my God. uh, Probably like five years ago, six years ago. And it was like a teen soap. What what do I compare it to? 
it wasn't the Vampire Diaries because that's like supernatural. But, you know, it was like it was like a teen soap gossip girl, like in that genre love triangle between this budding actress and her two co-stars. It was so good. It was so soapy, too. Well, I mean, if you're going to last more than one season on the CW. But they got something. two, but they didn't get three. Oh, well, most <sighs> things don't. So rest in peace. I'm still upset. <laughs> um, and then the fourth one, I I recently just rediscovered this. Have you watched the movie or read the book This Is Where I Leave You by Jonathan Tropper? No, never heard of this either. I read this book, oh gosh, probably 10, 10 years ago. And I then read all of his books. I loved them so much. And this book was made into a movie. And I feel like it was maybe a little bit of an arty, non- blockbustery type movie but it has a fucking stacked cast and it just came onto Netflix and I made my friend Elizabeth watch it the other week and she loved it and she was like how have I never heard of this but the it's like a family dramedy about the patriarch of the family dies and the mom insists that the family sits shiva for him and they're not religious she convinces all of her adult children to like spend the week at home basically the cast is the main character is Jason Bateman. The mom is Jane Fonda. I'm in. Tina Fey, Adam Driver. Wow. Connie Britton. Like, it is a stacked cast. Dak Shepard. I've seen clips of this somewhere. Well, I feel something. like it's it's having a second life because I don't feel like the movie was initially very popular, but it's really good. It's really well done. How could it not be with these people? Now it's on Netflix for, I don't know, the first time or it just came back on Netflix like a month ago. And okay. so it's been in like the top 10. I'm going to watch that. But it's so good. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I think you would like it. All right. Well, we also have a lot of fun voicemails of movie versions that you all loved. So let's listen to some of those. Hi, Bad on Paper Pod. I wanted to reply to prompt number two, where a movie is better than the book. And my answer is Julie and Julia. The movie has Meryl Streep and Amy Adams and the cute guy from the Mindy Project, who I can't name. So I love that movie. And I went and I was like, oh, I have to read the book. I really didn't like it. And rest in peace to the author. I think she passed the other year. But I just I just don't think it can compare to, like, just seeing Meryl Streep's weird Julia Child voice. Anyway, that's my answer. Watch Julie and Julia. Do not bother reading the book. Okay. Bye. Hi, Olivia and Becca. Uh, my name is Catherine, and I'm calling to talk about my favorite um, book-to-film adaptations. So I have two, but I'm sure lots of people are going to call in about Crazy Rich Asians. I just think it was so well done. It was exciting, and it's just the perfect TVS afternoon movie or movie to catch on a plane or even movie to read to, which makes it funnily a book-to-TV, uh, a book-to-screen adaptation. The other one I wanted to bring up was um, the adaptation of Emily Giffen's Something Borrowed. It's a great adaptation because it builds on the book, but it's also just a really precise, like, snapshot of a group of friends' lives. I just think it was really well executed. It captured the characters well, and it also captured the character of New York City really well, especially in the summer. Um, so really enjoy it and really wish that they have been able to get book two off the ground, although I think maybe at this point we've kind of missed the boat on Kate Hudson having a baby as the star of a movie. Hope you guys are well. Thank you. Becca, have you seen either of these movies? Yes, I've seen both. And I would agree that these are both A-plus adaptations. So I just want to give my plus one to these. I've seen both too. I never read Something Borrowed, so I feel like I can't comment on it. Although I think it's a good romantic comedy. But I'm sorry to say I, I loved Crazy Rich Asians, the book. But the movie, maybe it was too overhyped for me. Like, I just, I don't know. I couldn't, I didn't love it as much for some reason. Interesting. So I hate it. I feel like Grace is the opposite. She hated the book. She couldn't get into it, but she loved the movie. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, here's one more voicemail from someone talking about a book and a series that they both loved. Hi, Becca and Olivia. This is Catherine. Something that I have loved recently is Station Eleven, the show that HBO made based on 
the Emily St. John Mandel novel. It's a book that I loved and thought about all the time during the beginning of the pandemic. And then this show came out at like the end of 2021. I think it's a great adaptation because they weren't afraid to change things. It's not an exact replica of the book. And I think the sign of a great adapter is when they know that something that works great in a book won't necessarily work exactly the same in a movie or on TV. And yeah, I think they weren't afraid to change things, add things, and it made for a better TV show in the end. I don't necessarily know that I would say the show is better than the book, but I think that they're both equally great, even though they're different. I would highly recommend it. I feel like it got a little bit lost because it did come out in 2021 and was about a pandemic. I don't know that people were ready for that then, but now maybe in a post The Last of Us world, they are ready. I think if people like The Last of Us and the themes of that, they would really love it. It is beautiful and a little bit more hopeful and it's about art and culture and um, yeah, thanks. Olivia, did you watch this one? No, but I read the book right before the show came out. But this series, this book on paper, this is like, especially TV, this is me. This is my type of content. So I'm, I need, I think it's time. I think it's time, like the voicemail said, I think it's time for me to watch it. I need to loop back to this too. I, I did not have the emotional bandwidth during the pandemic to watch something about a pandemic, but I loved this book and I've heard such good things about the TV show. This was a good reminder. It was. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Let's take a quick ad break. In an ideal world, I feel like talking to your doctor about your health should feel like talking to your friends. They would listen, be supportive, take you seriously, while also reassuring you that it'll all be okay. But unlike your group chat, a doctor can actually give you quality medical advice and expert care but it's often really hard to find a doctor that encompasses all those qualities. That's why ZocDoc is so great. There are thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc that are there to help you. Whether you're currently getting your medical advice from friends or the internet, I can guarantee that the advice is not going to be as accurate or reassuring as it would be if it were coming from a real qualified doctor. And ZocDoc makes it that much easier to find one who takes your insurance, is patient-reviewed, and is in a location that's convenient for your life. ZocDoc allows you to choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need, all from your phone. No more waiting on the phone or spending hours asking friends for referrals. I've been a ZocDoc user for years now, and it really has made my life easier. Go to ZocDoc.com slash BOP and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash BOP. ZocDoc.com slash BOP. So we talked about the good. I would like to talk about the bad. What are your least favorite book to screen adaptations so like i said i was kind of so so on crazy rich asians which i honestly think was just because like i said it was a bit overhyped or or not overhyped it was just it was so hyped that it made it hard for me to have a sort of neutral view going into it but the one that stands out is just like a fail is (laughs) the girl on the train which starred emily blunt who i adore so i'm not quite sure but I think they were trying to do a gone girl thing and it just wasn't as good it just it it no was not as good oh yeah but those are two just okay what about you well so this is tricky because I did not love the book but I thought the adaptation was so bad and that is the hating game by Sally Thorne I thought the book was a little creepy I've talked about it in the past I don't need to get on my soapbox (laughs) But this movie, I cannot think of two people who have less chemistry than Lucy Hale in the male lead. Like, if this had taken a left turn and he killed her during this movie, I would have been the least surprised. Okay, so I I read this book and actually really liked it. Although I do, once you pointed out the problematic parts, I was like, oh, yeah. 
And I watched the movie and I was just kind of like, okay. But when I think about when I think about the movie, all I think about is him just like towering over her, like 90 feet in the air. He literally, you could tell me this man is 12 feet tall and I'd be like, seems right. And Lucy Hale just like cowering beneath him. But it was very menacing in a way that was like, are yes. you going to fall in love or is he going to chop you up in his in his shed? Yeah, it was a little terrifying. My second one, which really pains me because you know that I love Elizabeth Gilbert and I love Julia Roberts. I thought that the Eat, Pray, Love movie was such a letdown. I actually just think that that is such a hard movie to adapt. So you read the book before and then Loved you it. went and you went and saw the movie after. Yep. Were you like very excited about the movie? Yeah, because it had Julia yeah. Roberts in it and I loved the book. Okay, so this is interesting because I love that movie. You do? But I never read the book. Oh. I mean, it's problematic, of course, if we really want to get into it. Sure, sure. <laughs> but um, I just remember really finding it like so fun and just all the different travel scenes. And I guess yeah, maybe this one isn't blanket bad, but it just did not live up to my expectations given the book. Well, that's the thing with books and movies, right? It's like if you love a book, there's that much less of a chance you're going to love the movie. So it's really difficult to get it right. Well, I think this book is also especially hard because so much of it is about her interior journey and and the interiority as opposed to what's actually happening in her interactions with other people. And so I think some of that got lost and a lot of what I loved about the book just like didn't it, – it became a little flat for me. Yeah. I do remember like loving the movie, but then that scene where she's sleeping on the floor and James Franco is like, what are you doing on the floor? <laughs> like, I remember being like, I don't really get what's happening here, but let's, let's move on to Italy, shall we? <laughs> oh. um, okay. This is, this is a controversial, I feel like everyone has a hot take about this next one you're about to talk about. So okay. please tell us. Well, my, my last one that I think was done so poorly was the Rachel McAdams time traveler's wife, which is one of my favorite books. I love that book so much. I thought that adaptation was hot trash. In an unpopular opinion that I think only I hold, I thought the HBO, the recent Theo James adaptation, I thought that was pretty good. If he was not naked throughout. I know. I Maybe that's why I was like <laughs> blinded by how hot Theo James is. I mean, that is, a, a, that, I, I actually am really surprised that didn't get a second season. I liked it. Oh, well. you did. I was going to say, I was like, I thought I was the only one who enjoyed it. Oh, no, I really liked it. Oh, okay. This is a good example of like a concept that is very hard very to put hard. in people's faces and not have people be like, what? <laughs> well, I think some magic can sometimes be really good or really bad. Because I mean, there are such good sci-fi TV and films. But like I was thinking about one of the next sections we'll do is our dream adaptations. And one of my favorite books is The Night Circus. And I would be horrified if anyone tried to make that in, into a film or a TV show because I think it would just inherently, I think it would be really hard to render the magic well unless you had all of the money. Yeah. You know, I still have that one. You sent it to me. I still have the book. <gasps> I, I accidentally left it book. in my parents' house because I, I brought it there to read over the holidays. And my mom read it because I left it and she really loved it. So oh, good. It'll make its way back to me eventually, maybe. Oh, good. I'll send you another copy if you need it. I feel really I feel really strongly about you reading this. I will. I promise you I will. As you said, I'm like it's a problem how many books I have to read. I'm going slow these days. Uh, let's hear about some of your disappointing adaptations. Hi, Becca and Olivia. This is Haley, big fan of the pod. One of the worst book adaptations I recently watched was the movie adaptation of Gabrielle Zevin's The Storied Life of Iggy Frickery. I loved this book last year, especially after reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and I had such high hopes for the recent movie adaptation starring uh, Kunal Nayar and Lucy Hale. It was just so obvious from the start that even the font used as the title was that this was going to be so cheesy, a hallmark route. It's a fairly short book, but the story in the film felt so rushed and didn't pack any emotional punch that the book did at all. Thanks. Oh, I am so 
bummed about this one. I did not even know that this had come out, that there was an adaptation of the storied life of A.J. Fickery. So I haven't read the book. Did you like it? Oh, I loved the book. It's very sweet. It's like it's very different tonally than Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I feel like from this person's voicemail and the thing they said about the font, I just I get what kind of movie it is immediately. Also, there's a weird sort of Lucy Hale theme going on here. Lucy Hale. She's in a lot of things. We need better scripts for you. (laughs) She's in a lot of things. I think she's a a quantity over quality person sometimes, but she has been in good things. Yeah. She's working hard. Yeah. She's out there hustling. So before we get into our most anticipated things we're looking forward to in terms of books to movies or TV, I thought it would be interesting to play two voicemails that have two different takes on the same book to movie adaptation. The first one being from someone named Katie who has arguably the most lovely accent I've ever heard. It actually, when I first listened to it, it sounded fake. I was like, someone is going to think we hired an actor. That was (laughs) me. I hired Katie. (laughs) Anyway, thanks, Katie and Sarah. Uh, Let's listen to these takes. Hey team, Katie here. So I remember thinking the first time I saw it that The Devil Wears Prada film was nowhere near as good as the book. I even remember feeling slightly betrayed. It was weird. 17 years later, I've watched that movie at least 20 times and have never returned to the book. So I guess the data kind of speaks for itself. Likewise, I thought that I really liked Normal People, the book. Turns out not nearly as much as the TV show. Hi, Becca and Olivia. This is Sarah. And the adaptation where I think the movie is better than the book is The Devil Wears Prada. I read it probably back in the mid 2000s, you know, when it was a bestseller and everyone was reading it. And I remember enjoying it. But the movie is just totally iconic. It has Meryl Streep giving an amazing performance, Emily Blunt being the real hero of the story. Anne Hathaway's bangs. It's so quotable. And I think it's a great example of an adaptation taking uh, a book and giving it permanent cultural icon status. Which side are you on? I never read the book. (gasps) But I love the movie. I I love the movie. What's your take? I can't really have a take, I guess. I don't know. I haven't read the book in so many years. Like I I read the book when it came out. So I remember it being great, but I don't know how it holds up. But from my memory, I would say it's a parody. I would say they're at parody. The book and the movie are both excellent. Hmm. Well, there you have it. Let's take another ad break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've talked about this so much on the podcast and in my newsletter and on Instagram, but it's true. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. Therapy can be a great way to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And most importantly, it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma or going through a particularly hard time. BetterHelp makes therapy more accessible and stress-free than ever. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. To get started, you just have to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. This makes it so much easier to find the perfect therapist for you instead of just settling for the first person you call. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BadOnPaper to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BadOnPaper. Let's talk about what we're looking forward to in the book to screen universe. Let's. Tell me about some of yours, because you have some good ones on here that I hadn't thought about. Well, I wasn't sure what to do with this prompt if it was ones that are actually already happening or just ones that I want to put out there into the Mm. universe. So I did both. Good. So in terms of things that I think are actually happening, there has been a Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo adaptation that has been swirling in the universe for a very long time. I think it was originally in a different studio and now it's landed at Netflix. I know that it is being cast, but they haven't announced the casting for it yet. And I am very excited. 
what do you have a dream cast for this no i'm really i'm really bad at fantasy casting oh yeah you, you've said this i am too actually so no i i don't but i'm excited and then the other one which i feel like is a hot hot property is akatar court of thorns and roses is being adapted on hulu and again, nothing has been announced. But I think there there might be some rumors around Sadie Sink as Fairy. I'm not Ooh. positive how one would say her name out loud. I think it's Feyre. Feyre? Sure. I don't know. Sure. All of the names in that book, I was we'll like, we'll find out. We're just gonna we're just gonna guess. But I have seen something uh, that people are talking about about Jacob Elordi playing recent Resand Reese. Oh, interesting. I could see that. That has but the everyone was energy. mad that I saw and I was like oh that makes perfect sense to me yeah me too it's a beautiful man that's fine yeah yeah but like a beautiful man who kind of has like resting asshole face a little yeah that works for me oh yeah very tall very tall yeah yeah too bad that Ben Barnes is already in the the shadow and bone universe because he would be a great reason I could see that too I could see that so very excited about that and I I feel like we don't currently have this like epic Game of Thronesian series, as we were saying. And I think Akatar could be that, but with a Gen Z twist. Yeah. So I'm excited. In that case, Sadie Sink and Jacob Lordy is actually kind of perfect. Kind of perfect. Yeah, I agree. And then the other one that I, I don't know if it's dead or if it's still happening, but a while ago, well, first of all, I'm very excited about the whole Ellen Hildebrand universe being adapted. And I feel like there's a lot of different things in progress. They just announced the casting for The Perfect Couple with Megan Fahey, and I'm very excited. However, there was a Winter in Paradise series adaptation that was going to happen with Ellen Pompeo starring in it. And I was very excited for that. Having not read this or really know anything about it, this Ellen Pompeo seems perfect for it. I don't know. It's one of her series that's more, there's kind of like a light mystery to it, too. Mm. So I think it would be good for movies or a TV show. I could definitely see it being a TV show. So I'm I'm looking out for that one. But anything anyone wants to adapt of Ellen's books, I'm I'm ready for. And then as far as the ones not in the works, or at least as far as I know, I have three that I'm jonesing for. Tell us. First one is American Royals. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but here 50 something minutes into this episode, like, let's just go for it. So I tried to get the rights to adapt this a year ago. Oh, we had like the worst pitch ever. But I feel like this series needs to be a trilogy or a yeah quadrology of movies. This could be incredible. I Oh my God, I think it, and you need to have money for it. But like, I think this would be incredible. I've I have secret Pinterest boards. I have so many notes for this. Like I am ready. I think this could be the it's not Hunger Games because it's not like that fighting dystopian, but I think this could be the movie trilogy of our t- current time. Yeah. I would Ugh. I said it when you were first talking about this and I'll say it now I I need this to happen as well. I've only read the first one, but like oh as someone God. that really likes like you said, not dystopian, but it is like your world but different mm-hmm. that's so appealing and, and there's a real yeah, like so good gossip girl bridgerton vibe to it too yes. of like the court and all of the clothes oh the teen drama so good. anyway i really want that i also really want the selection series which i don't think will ever happen that has been optioned for a while and i think it has at least two two different pilots that have been shot for it, which are so bad that they have not come out. Oh, wow. Um, But again, this is, you know, this is like The Bachelor meets The Hunger Games. I think it would be an excellent movie or TV series. But seemingly the adaptation has not gone well over the past however many five plus years that they've been trying to adapt it. (laughs) Seems like a bad sign. I know. I feel like it might be one of those properties where like too much money has been sunk into it where they're like, we are done. We are never making a selection series (laughs) but I think it would be so good and then the other one is this book that I keep evangelizing that came out in 2021 called The People We Keep and it is about a girl who runs away from home when she's a teenager and then kind of all the people she meets along the way who are important to her life and I think this would make the most exceptional tear jerky movie ever oh really I sobbed my way through this book. It is so good. 
you should be working for like the CW branch of Netflix. Like you could be creating an empire. Honestly, we were talking about this when we were in Rehoboth earlier this week where it was like if you got a do-over and were in a different career, what do you think you would do? And I was like, I think I would be an amazing film scout for like books to turn into TV series. That's a really hard job to get. And I feel like you can't just like pop into it. Do you follow um, uh, Jordy from Jordy's Book Club? No. He has a bookstagram and he does this. He used to do it for Netflix. Now he does it for Universal. But he like worked his way up from the mailroom at a talent agency doing this. Like this isn't just a job where I could be like, hi, my name is Becca Freeman. and I'd like to tell you what books should be made into TV shows. (laughs) I think someone's going to reach out to you after this episode and say, thanks for the hour long pitch. You're hired. (sighs) Who knows? Bye. <laughs> podcast closed. Gotta go make no, some No, you movies. have to stay on the podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> what would Terrence do if you just disappeared? He'd take his spot in the limelight. That's true. And then the other thing I just want to talk about really briefly is I am so curious about all of these romance adaptations that are happening right now. Like I know People We Meet on Vacation and Book Lovers from Emily Henry are being adapted. It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey is being adapted. I think a bunch of Christina Lauren books are are being adapted. And I'm so curious because as anyone who's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows, like I'm such an advocate of the rom-com movie and it has disappeared. And I just wonder if any of these will usher in a new era, if somebody will be able to figure out how to adapt these in a way that like lives up to the feeling of the book. If someone will like succeed where the hating game for me failed and like, if we can enter a new golden era of rom-com movies. I think it's not going to be all of them. I think it can, I think there's going to be one that does it right. This is my Ugh. prediction. It's hard. It's very difficult, I think. There's a really interesting New York Times article from maybe last summer about why we don't make good rom-coms anymore. We'll have to have Maddie link it in the show notes. It's a very interesting read. Mm, I'll have to read that, too. What about you? Don't. What, what is the summary of it? Sorry, just give me the one. Is there like a one sentence? There were a few different factors, but one of them was was casting and chemistry and just like the way that casting works. Like we're not casting these couples like um, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks who have like really good chemistry. And, and we're just like, especially as celebrities get bigger and bigger, they're like not having to audition. And you're just like fucking casting people. And you're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow, <laughs> these are two big names who have you're hot zero and you're chemistry. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. What did you bring to the table here? I brought the only adaptation that matters to me, which is uh, Project Hail Mary, which... With Ryan Gosling. With Ryan Gosling set to star and CGI robot spider rock creature as Rocky, I guess. (laughs) But this has been signed up like to happen since before the the book came out in 2020. 20 I guess or tw- anyway I I want to see it happen I loved the Martian I, I just I need to see this so I'll be probably 50 by the time it happens but I'll be there I support you thanks so much let's hear some voicemails about other people's adaptations that are their dream adaptations or ones they're excited to see that are in the works Hi, my name is Carolyn, and I am from the Chicago suburbs, and my dream book-to-movie adaptation is The Boys in the Boat. I feel like I have seen rumors swirling about this book becoming a movie for literally years, and every time I see a new story pop up about it, I get excited all over again, and it continues to just not materialize, and I truly do not understand If you haven't read the book, it is just the ultimate underdog story along the lines of Unbroken, which is very similar World War II underdog story and obviously very critically acclaimed movie, um, very box office success. So I'm, I'm truly astounded that The Boys in the Boat has not become a movie yet. That is my one wish. Thank you. Hey, Becca and Olivia. I just wanted to say I love your podcast. Um, My name is Maria, and I'm calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm so excited to see One Day in December, 
um, Come to TV. That's one of my favorite holiday books, and it's going to be a great little addition to Netflix. And then also, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is coming uh, in the end of April. So I read that book when I was about 10, 11 years old, and my daughter is now 10, and she's reading it as well. So that'll be a nice mom-daughter movie date. So looking forward to those two and lots more. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. So I'm calling to share that I would love to have the book Ghost by Dolly Alderton adopted for either a movie or TV. That book was so well written. I'm in my 30s and dating as well. And I read it a year ago, but it has still stuck with me. I feel like her description of all of the characters in the book were honestly just so on point and funny. I thought there were a lot of laugh out loud moments, but a lot of kind of just tender moments and moments that were very just in tune with kind of what people that age are experiencing dating. I don't know who I would cast in this movie or show, but I just think it would be a hit. I feel like Dolly Alderton's work has really picked up in the last couple of years, and I think this would actually have traction if someone brought the idea to someone who had the decision-making power to turn it into a TV show or movie. But yeah, that's just definitely a book that I always recommend to my friends who are my age, regardless of relationship status, but especially if they are dating. And I just feel like also the friend in that book was so funny. I think that could be a really fun and quirky character as well. So fingers crossed that this does get picked up. I too am very excited to see this. Did you read her first book, Olivia, Everything I Know About Love? I didn't. I haven't read anything by her, actually. Oh, she did a book of memoir essays that was adapted into a TV show, and I couldn't quite get on board. They, like, made it into a fiction TV show. Interesting. Yeah. I think she did it herself. Like, I think she was the showrunner, like, the writer-showrunner. So I would be very curious to see if anything happens with ghosts. It sounds good. Let's get out of here and get into some end matter. Let's. What's your obsession this week? Oh, my obsession is the TV show Shrinking on Apple TV+. <sighs> I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet, by the way. Oh, my God. It is so good. It is some of the best TV I've seen. Same. Oh, it's so... Oh, it is It so is. Te- it is season one Ted Lasso level. Great TV. Oh, I think it's even better than that. But yes. It also I, is like very much like Apple TV was like, Ted Lasso was great. How do we replicate this? And like Brett Goldstein is one of the executive producers on it. And even the theme song, like you're like, oh yeah, we're oh, like, yeah. we're going for a formula here. Oh my God. Yeah. Is it like Mumford and Sons again? I, think I just so. made that connection. I think so. But oh my God, the duo of, or the trio of Jason Siegel, Jessica Williams, and Harrison Ford Perfection. is so good. And Harrison Ford doing comedy is so funny. So funny. So funny. Who knew? The episode knew? where he's high, like, oh my God. died. Oh, my God. Like, there are so many, so many things. I just, like, have never been so impressed that something so funny can be so emotional. Yes. It's it's so good. So good. If you have not watched it, uh, what else quit, can we say? Quit your job and just watch it now. <laughs> Take a sick day. What about you? What did you bring? My obsession is that for my birthday, I finally treated myself to all new bedding, like just top of the line that, that I could afford um, bedding. And uh, I got a new like mattress topper, like uh, like a feather bed type thing from Bolin Branch. And my God, best choice of my life. It's, I'm, I got like the linen duvet cover and it's like soft and cool and every night I'm just it's been two nights but it's <laughs> it feels great so I'm excited is it a weird thing to say that I want to come over and roll around in your bed and just like <laughs> test drive this go for it great what it, what have you been reading so admittedly I haven't finished anything this week but I am about to finish Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver which is like 500 pages long and it has taken me uh, many weeks to read but this book is unbelievable. It's about a young boy who grows up in rural Appalachia, very poor, and just sort of the trajectory of his life through foster care. It's very sad, and I think the ending is going to probably destroy me, but the level of detail the author put into building this character, like it's almost as if you were reading a memoir. It is next level type of detail in character work it's blowing me away so i still need to finish it but highly recommend so far i've heard nothing but good things about this book 
It's a masterpiece. Seriously. It's I'm so just blown away. What have you been reading? I read two things this past week. The first thing I read was The Boyfriend Candidate by Ashley Winstead, which is out May 9th. And this may sound familiar because Ashley Winstead has been a guest on the podcast before. And Olivia is obsessed with her thrillers, but she also writes rom-coms. Like, is there anything this woman cannot do? I love it. It's so inspiring to me. This rom-com just was so good for me. It was like a silly kind of madcap rom-com that wasn't trying to take itself too seriously, but it was so well written. The chemistry was so good. It was really fun. It's about a elementary school librarian who is fake dating a Texas Democrat governor candidate. And they are trying to have a one night stand. They get caught by the paparazzi and it would look bad for him to be womanizing or being a playboy. So they, they decide to have a fake relationship. So cute. Actually, it is the second book in a loosely connected series. Like think like Jasmine Giller, like you don't need to read them in order. So Fool Me Once, her first book, that character is the older sister to the main character in this. So now I have to loop back and read that. But I was so impressed and I just, it was a really fun read. Oh, yeah. She's, she just DM'd me yesterday about sending me this one. So oh, that sounds really fun. I really liked it. And you don't need to read them in order if you missed Fool Me Once and you don't want to read it. Oh, good. So I read that. And then I read this other book, which is literary fiction, called A Likely Story by Lee McMullen Abramson. And this is about a woman who is in her 30s and is the daughter of kind of this like literary great, like this esteemed a literary fiction author who is like kind of the toast of the literary world. And she also wants to write a book and she can't like quite crack it. And she finds out a secret about her family that like kind of puts her whole family's reputation at risk. I thought this was great. It is a book that's very much about writing, which I I usually don't oh, like, I but I thought this was it. well done. <laughs> So if you don't like the meta of like books about people writing books, maybe not. But um, I thought this was great. And it's out right now. It's out right now. Yeah, it came out in March. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It it kind of gave Pineapple Street vibes, but like darker and like Upper East Siders. Okay. So that's what we have for you. And if none of that appeals, we also have our April book club pick, which we'll be talking about the last Wednesday of the month. And that is Before We Were Innocent by Ella Berman, which is a dual timeline story about, in the first timeline, a group of three girls who go on a high school graduation trip to Greece, but only two of them come back. And the two that live uh, become kind of the center of this lightning rod media true crime story. And the second timeline follows them 10 years later when the two girls are reunited when one of their partners goes missing. And so it very much explores the impact that true crime media has on the people it's talking about. And then also it it has a lot to say about complex female friendships, especially ones that we have when we're when we're in high school and we're younger and like kind of how those age. I am so excited to hear what you think of this, Olivia. I can't wait to read it. So pick that up. We'll be discussing it at the end of the month. In the meantime, come talk to us in the Facebook group about your favorite book to screen adaptations or least favorite. You can also find us on Instagram at Bet on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.